0: How's everybody today? Good, good, good. Did, uh, did you practice any of what we talked about last week? Did you walk out of here trying to be uh, more of a team? More of a team, uh, working together? Hey, just something, uh, while I was thinking about it, I think... Uh, Maybe Larry saw me golf yesterday, and that's where that joke came from, because it was not good. But, you know, we walked through Adam and Eve last week, and we talked through some of their failings and some of the things they did right. And this week, we're going to be talking about Abraham and Sarah. And uh, I remember years ago, I went to Sight and Sound and saw Abraham and Sarah. And it was fantastic. What a great love story. I mean, when we look at their lives and all the things that we've done, we look back and we say, wow, these were true people of God. We can say that now. But when we look at what they went through and while they were in what they were in, it wasn't as clear. And I think we'd have to look at ourselves and say the same way. We would hope that people would look at us and say, there's true people of God. But look, you know, to, to Larry's golf story, when I hit a bad golf shot, that's not what they're thinking. Look at that man of God there, because I have to go pick up my club that I just threw. <laughs> We're going to see the same thing from Abraham and Sarah today. Again, we are going to continue in our series on the 10 most outrageous couples in the Bible. Now, some people thought that this was the the ten worst marriages of the Bible or the worst couples. And, and some folks were saying, I wonder if ours is in there. No, it's just outrageous. It's things that they did in their lives that were not normal. Again, today, Abraham and Sarah. Next week, we're going to talk about Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. Then we'll talk about Solomon and the Shulamite. We'll talk about Lot and his wife, Isaac and Rebekah, Samson and Delilah, Nabal and Abigail, and the two I left off last week, I only gave you eight last week. I don't know how many of you are paying attention, but we're going to talk about the Proverbs 31 woman, and then we'll close out with Mary and Joseph. That's our 10. So we'll be walking through this for the next nine weeks, and hopefully, as we get through this, you'll be able to see some things in your life that God will reveal to you. Now, you're sitting here, again, if you weren't here last week, you're probably thinking, Boy, did I pick the wrong day to come to church? No, this is not a marriage thing. This isn't a couples thing. The reason it's focused a lot on, on couples is because of the teamwork. But this is relationships. So it's relationships between you and your children, or you and your siblings, <clears throat> which can be tough. I'm not gonna name any names, but it can be tough to have siblings. Um, so it is for everybody. The Bible was written for everyone in mind. So today, again, we're gonna look at Abraham and Sarah. But before I jump into that, I did get a special prayer request when I was downstairs visiting the youth group. There is a, a young child by the name of Sammy. And Sammy has the same condition that Riley has. And Sammy is Riley's sort of best friend. They're the noisemakers when they go to a conference. Those two sit beside each other and just enjoy it. He has been taken to the hospital, and he is on a ventilator. He has fluid around his heart. All the things that, that God forbid, we, we believe someday would be in Riley's future, this person's going through right now. So we want to keep Sammy in our prayers, And as we open our Bible study this morning, I want to pray for him as well. Will you pray with me? God, you are a healer. And God, whether that healing is here on earth, or Lord, you take this child and heal him on the other side of heaven, we ask you to do that. We ask you to put your hand upon this family, upon the larger group that that come together as an extended family. Give them the peace to know that you're in this, that the fight is yours, Lord. All we need to do is show up. So as we dive into our Bible study this morning, Lord, reveal to us the things that we need for our lives and help us to walk out of here different. Help us to walk out with our head held high and excitement and passion in our heart for what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God is big into transformations. He transforms your identity. We've seen it all the way through the Bible. We see Abraham. His original name, what he was called, was Abram. Then God had an interaction with him and changed his name to Abraham. He had a complete identity change. We saw Sarah. Her name was Sarai. And now it's Sarah. So we see this all through scripture we we look at jacob who was nicknamed the heel catcher or deceiver how would you like that to be your name this is my son deceiver (laughs) (laughs) hide your stuff (laughs) by the way he's selling cars um He had an interaction with God. And what did God do? God says, no longer are you a deceiver. You are now chosen. Your name is Israel. So as we go through this, we'll read Abram. I'll probably say Abraham. They're synonymous. But God is big into transformation. And you and I are transformed by the words of God, by the Bible. If we allow it to come in, it will change us, we'll be different, and it's always for the good. So today we're going to see Abraham and Sarah's love for each other, their love for God, and for God's leadership. So take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. This is where we see Abraham pick up. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, is where we're going to start. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curseth thee, and in thee all families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was, what's it say? Seventy-five years old when he departed out of Haran. Who here is 75 or close to? Anybody? Yeah? A few of you? Here's the thing. Yeah, don't... Guys, don't not point at your spouse. when, just, just a little coaching. Don't do that. Ever. You could say, I'm close, but don't. No. Okay, those of you that are 75, here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather up your belongings, and I want you to leave your home. And your kindred. That's what that verse said, your kindred. What's kindred? Your family. I need you to leave your family and I want you to go somewhere where I'm going to show you. How many of you could do that? Could just pick up and go like that? Yeah. I mean, you, after 75 years, I think most of you have built a life here. You have connections. You have things that you do. And God says, I know that you have built something for you, but I've got bigger plans for you. But you can't do it from here. I need you to go where I need you to go in order to do what I created you to do. So look, when I moved to New Jersey, I was 33. Now, I did have a house. I had family here. But I wasn't 75 years' worth of house and family. How much stuff can you collect? How much of an impact can you make? John, why are you smiling like that? For those of you that don't know, if you've ever went past... John's house, he's got a lot of stuff. A lot of cool things. Several of them are hanging under the tree. He says he hangs it up for decorations. I think the bolts won't come loose. And I went to New Jersey and I had no support system. It was my wife and my daughter and I. That was it. We knew nobody. We, we knew nothing. We had nothing. You all have a support system here. God says, I want you, Abraham and Sarah, to pick up, leave your support system, and go someplace. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going to go. How many of you guys would do that? Yeah? Get in the car. We're going to go. Where are we going to go? Don't worry about it. I'll let you know when we get there. Look, if the GPS isn't on and I have a time to beat, I'm not driving. Because when I start out and it says you're going to get there at 1202, I say, challenge accepted. 1159, I will be there. (laughs) What kind of life would he have given up at 75? God said, go where I need you to go. And he says that to us too. It took faith for him to go. So Abraham and Sarah both showed faith here. Faith in saying God... I believe in what you're saying, and I trust you. And because I trust you, I will do it. So Abraham, Sarah, and Lot leave. They are following God's commands, right? So what happens next? Let's go to verse 10 and see what happens next. Verse 10 starts off like this. And there was a famine... In the land, even when you're following God's commands, troubles will still come. Amen? You think, I've given up everything. I've given up my comfort. I've given up my house. I've given up my friends. I've given up my activities to follow you, God. And then I get where you're going or where I'm, where I'm on my way to, and now there's a famine. And I can't even feed my family. You know, if we stayed at home, we could share what we had. But no, now I'm out here all by myself. But the thing is, he wasn't by himself. There was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near into Egypt, that he said to Sarah, his wife, Behold now, I know thou art a fair woman to look upon. If he would have stopped right there, he'd have been great. Right? He would have been perfect. Ladies, if your man approaches you with, you're just so beautiful. Yeah, what's your response? What'd you do? Right? What do you want? She's the exact same way. Honey, you are so fair, so beautiful. Verse 12. Therefore, it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Who is Abram concerned about? Himself. Exactly. Himself. He was selfish. That's not a red lobster thing. Selfish is what you are when you think only about you. So he turns to her, verse 13, and says, Say, I pray thee that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, because my soul shall live because of thee. Isn't that great? I don't know if you saw that, but let me just do that one more time. Say, I pray thee, Sarah, please do this for me. Say that you're my sister so that it will be okay for me, that it will be well with me for your sake. Sarah, please lie for me so that it will be better for you. What? He is thinking about himself, but say, "I'm I'm doing this for you, honey. I'm doing this for you. That's crazy. It is a half truth. It is a half truth. Abraham and Sarah were half brother, half sister. Okay, they had the same father, Tara. So it is a half truth. But it is a full lie. Amen? She may be half his sister, but she is his full wife. He says, I need something, so lie for me. What happens if we try to get someone else to sin for us? Someone who's a believer, obviously. Does Jesus have anything to say about that at all? Oh, you can bet on it. He definitely does. But... If you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. If you are trying to cause this other Christian to sin, it's not a good thing. This is what Abram missed. Why did he miss it? Was he thinking about what it would do to Sarah? Was he thinking about what would happen with his his Christian walk? What was he thinking about? Himself. Absolute selfishness. The number one thing to destroy a relationship. I talk a lot about this when I do premarital counseling. Everyone thinks that adultery or something like that is the number one thing that will ruin a marriage. It is not It is selfishness. Selfishness is the worst thing. Because they only think about themselves. So, Abraham is forcing his wife to lie for him. Let's look at verse 14. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt that the Egyptians beheld the woman, and that she was very fair. You see, the Egyptians looked at her. And I started to to do a little deep dive into that. Because remember, she's like 65 years old right then. And, and I'm trying to understand, what was it that was so special about her? I mean, did she have the, you know, pomade... Lotion and, and all those creams and stuff. I mean, what was it that, that she had? And um, one commentator says, Sarah's complexion coming from a mountainous country would be fresh and fared compared with the faces of Egyptian women. So she looked different, and that was the attraction. They saw her and she looked different. But see, the counsel of Abram to her was true in words, but it was deception, intended to give an impression that she was no more than his sister. But his conduct was culpable and inconsistent with his character as a servant of God. And it showed a reliance on worldly policy more than a trust in the promise. And he not only sinned himself, But tempted Sarah to sin as well. Sin doesn't just hurt us. Verse 15. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And what's it say next in your Bible? And the yeah, the woman was taken. She was taken. Into Pharaoh's house. You see, in those days, um, the family member of the lady was treated very well because you want the lady's hand. And if they were married, then we've got to get that husband out of the way so he'd be killed. But if you say that I'm your brother, then they're going to treat me good because they want to marry you. They would want to... To, to be with you so here I could, I could see it going on in Abraham's mind here's what we're going to do okay we're going to say you're my sister and they're going to take interest in you so they won't kill me but we'll just kind of lead them along a little bit we're just going to lead them along a little bit while we're here we're going to be able to eat because they have food in Egypt now you won't actually marry anybody but they won't know that Because you know how marriages work. First you ask for the hand, and then there's all this time, and then there's a a price, all these, we've got time. So it's not a big deal, but that's not what happened. When they saw her, they took her. How do you think Abraham felt then? They took her. How do you think Sarah felt? I'll do this for you, honey. I'll pretend. And they took her. That's a bit scary. You see, the consequence of sin, the price you pay is much greater than what you expect. He thought that he was going to get away with it. That he would be able to uh, withstand things but he was not but something did happen to Abraham verse 16 and he entreated Abraham well for her sake and he had sheep and oxen he asses men servants maid servants she asses and camels Abe received benefits from the sin he did get something from sinning Lies and sin can be pleasurable, they can be profitable, but there's always a cost. Does this look like a man of faith to you? Does this look like someone you would put up on a pedestal? I want to be like that guy. I wish that I could follow God like that guy. If that was Pastor Dave, would you be here at the church listening to him, following him? Yeah, it'd be hard, right? Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 8. Hebrews eleven eight. 8. It starts off saying, By faith, Abram, when he was called to go into a place which he should... Let me start that over again. By faith, Abram, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receiving for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. You see, Abraham had faith in leaving... At 75, his whole family structure and going, that's a man of God. He trusted in God and he did it. Amen. That's it. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many of the stars in the sky in the multitude as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And Here's the part I want you to look at. And were persuaded of them and, what's it say for you? Embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Looking at this. Looking at Abraham and and Sarah in this light, did they seem persuaded by the promises of God? Did they seem embracing the promises of God? What were those promises? God said, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And I will make you a great nation. Do you think Abraham held fast to those promises, embraced them, believed them, when he said, they're going to kill me, pretend that you're my sister? I would say he wasn't. Because here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say what Sarah suffered in the king's harem. We don't know what she went through. We can imagine what she went through and how terrible it was. Because of a lie, just a little, lies are so small. They're little sins. They're little sins with big consequences. They were not acting as those that were persuaded of the promise and embraced the promise. So why did a man of faith have a failing in fear? What can we learn from this relationship today? Abraham showed selfishness instead of selflessness. Sarah showed accommodation instead of advising. She went along with what he said. Ladies, push back when someone causes you to go against God's commands. That goes for the men as well. If there's someone that's causing you to go against God's commands, you push back. So, why did he do this? It all has to do with stress. Stress impacts strength. If you take metal and you heat it really, really, really hot, that stress on the metal allows it to do what? It will bend. That's what blacksmiths do. It's their jobs. Right? That bends. And that actual bend, once it's bent like that, it's actually weaker than if it was a a straight bar. So stress, what it actually does is it impacts the strength. And it weakens the support. If you would build something out of that, When stress is upon it, it weakens it. And when it weakens the support, then the support fails to protect against sin. So I want you to think about it like this. If it was a bridge that had some kind of heat applied, the steel would be weakened, the support would not be there anymore, and the bridge will fall. It'll It'll be destroyed. We are all men and women of steel. That's not a Superman thing or a Superwoman thing. It is a real thing. You will react differently under stress than you will not. And you'll see it in your life. When you're stressed, sin comes so easy. You don't even have to think about it. Abraham protected himself at Sarah's expense. That was selfish. Sarah honored the man at the expense of God. She failed to protect him. God gives us each other as a support system. Then be selfless. Have courage. God brought you to this. He will bring you through this. You've got to believe that. There's a promise involved. Ladies, honor your men, but honor God more. We see this. If we, if we have more time, we dive into how Sarah decided to take it upon herself and allow Hagar to come into the relationship. That was a further failing. And as Christians, sin has a price, and it's too high, so stay away. So what I want you to do is walk out of here as a team from last week and support each other. Hold each other up in your relationships, in your families. When you see someone down, you pick them up. Iron needs a hardener. When I used to work at F.L. Smith, there was an area called Heat Treat. And what we would do is we would take metal, this happens to be a gear, that's on a spinning wheel and the wheel would spin around and those flames would heat it until it got really, really hot. What what happens when we heat up metal? It, It melts, it weakens, right? So how is this making something stronger, getting it hot? It's what happens after the stress is applied. Once you heat it up, then they rapidly cool it by dunking it in oil. And that process makes it very hard. There's another process called carbonization. If you take metal, like an iron, it's strong. And you take carbon, and it's strong. And you put them both together, they become steel, and they're even stronger. Together, we can do this. Together we can build bridges and bring people together. So this is our mission. This is our mission. Connect God and man. Be the bridge. It's just a matter of what kind of bridge you want to be. You want to be Jugtown Bridge? Or do you want to be the Golden Gate Bridge? Are you going to allow one person across? Are you going to allow an entire highway across? What are you going to connect Will you pray with me? God, help us to find our strength in you. Not selfish, not a pushover, but stronger together. And as we come together with you in the middle, because a threefold cord is not easily broken. God, help us today to leave here changed and on fire, supporting each other, And having that teamwork. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said.